Hello, and welcome to episode 102 of the Casual Tryhard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And this year, we're kind of going to look... This year. This episode. This year. <laughs> we're going to kind of look back on the year. And yeah, uh, maybe look forward to what we hope to see in 2021. Other than people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah other than people, because we know that's not going to happen. Not for a while. Yeah. But if you would like to get a hold of us with... Your thoughts on magic in 2020, you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG. You can shoot us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, don't forget, if you're looking to spend some of your Christmas money on singles, you can use our TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, after following that link, anything you purchase will help go to support the show. If you would like to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casual tryhard MTG. Uh, every week we do a little pre-show thing, catching up, uh, making sure our mics are working, yada, yada, yada. We record that and feed it straight to our patrons with little to no editing. So it's raw footage. You never know what you're going to hear about. A uh, little bit of everything in there. Uh, but patrons get access to that. Um, they also get access to our show notes before the show goes live, so you can kind of see where we're going that week. We also have a Discord channel. Uh, there should be a link in the description. There's a link on Twitter. There's a link on Facebook. If you can't find a link, let us know, and we'll send you a personalized one. A lot of good discussions happen over there in Discord. It's a good, quick way to get a hold of us. If there's a question you have that you know maybe you want answered before the next episode, or if you had an idea for a show or something like that, Hop on over to our Discord and join the conversation. Yeah, people are putting up their Christmas presents. Yeah. someone There's some sweet stuff in there. Someone has a uh, complete, I think, Pioneer Bant Spirits deck. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Hell yeah. So we wanted to look at kind of things that happened that were new this year and kind of see where we stand on them. I know some things we've talked about in the past. Yeah, but this is just kind of a uh, the big wrap up for all our thoughts on uh, 2020 magic. Yep. So like the big thing that happened this year was products. Lots <laughs> and lots sure. of products. I guess if you could if you only had one word to describe uh magic in 2020, it would be products. Yes. Yes, it's like what is the thing you're going to remember from uh, 2020 magic and be like non-covid edition you'd be like so many products yeah there was lots of things to buy and no place to use them yes so the first thing is uh secret layers yeah and so what do you think about secret layers i think i have to say this before like i'm fine mm-hmm. with them existing yeah. but i just worry about the kind of side effect of ringing too much money out of your consumer base yeah the the joke online has been for a while that like watsy keeps saying this product's not for everyone Mm -hmm. and there are so many products that just aren't for a lot of people right like do do you feel like you're like pushed out of the game because they're not making things for quote unquote you right yeah, there's only a, so many products that can be not for you before you start thinking to yourself, maybe this game isn't for me. Exactly. And I think secret layers are like towing that line. Yeah, they, defi- they definitely walk a line. For the most part, I think I'm fine with them. 
it certainly seems like 2020, not just in secret layers, but has been like the year of the reprint. It seems like everything we got was reprints into oblivion. Like we had secret layers, we had mystery boosters, we had commander legends, we had the list, we had masterpieces, like every single product that came out was just full of reprints. So I don't know that that's going to change going forward. Maybe I just have to kind of come to grips with the fact that my collection value is going to take a hit. And, you know, if I can like come to grips with that in my head, I think secret layers are great. Um, I like the weird artsy styles. I don't necessarily love that you can only get them through like their website and you're not really helping out your local game store or anything, but I don't know. I think they're fine. It is definitely not something that is like LGS friendly. And I think that over the last 12 to 18 months, Mm -hmm. WotC has not done a ton of LGS friendly things. Now, yeah, I don't know that all fault. of it was their fault. Yeah, like like the you can't like have events thing. I don't think that that's yeah. not their fault. But maybe I should say like, you know, eighteen to twenty four months, like yeah. before like two thousand nineteen wasn't exactly super LGS friendly mm-hmm. with some of their decisions, starting with secret right, layers. But, like so, some of the things that we got this year would have been great for LGSs though. Yes. Like, were we able to have events and were there no, like, product shortages? Mystery Booster, Jumpstart would have, they would have had a big effect on local game stores, yeah, I think. Yeah, put a lot of butts in seats. Yeah. So, then we have this, like, big overarching thing that kind of changed how we interacted with booster packs. And that's, like, yeah. Project Booster Fund, which I guess started in Throne of Eldraine. Yeah, I think it started with Throne. I don't know if they called it that with Throne, but that's when we started getting like weird booster packs. That's when we got sure. the collector boosters. Yeah. So speaking of collector boosters, what do we think about collector boosters? Again, on one hand, like they drive the price of cards down. Mm-hmm. So if you're just trying to play standard, mm-hmm. they make most standard rares super cheap. Yeah, dirt cheap. Now, we only really have two sets of information, right? Theros and Throne of Eldraine before Mm -hmm. everything got weird. But I think even with those two sets, it made standard cards significantly cheaper. Oh, yeah. So on that hand, it's good if you just want to play. But on the other hand, it's just kind of rough having like a pack that is $25. Like just recently, I think I've decided that I don't mind that collector packs are more money because like once we're able to get back into stores, I don't know that I'm going to be buying as much like sealed product. Yeah. They just, again, run that risk of, well, this isn't for me. Yeah. And like, I think it's bad optics. You know, if you think about like, you know, a kid getting into the game, seeing Mm -hmm. a $25 booster pack. Right. Right. That's kind of like, oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Again, like the idea of like this is a product for like the whales or the higher end person. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But I don't think that I think that there's not a lot of value in them, which is kind of strange to say. 
Well, I mean, it depends like how they're going to do them. Like if they're going to keep doing them like Zendikar Rising, there's plenty of value in the Zendikar Rising collector boosters because you got the expeditions in there. You do, but like if you look at the other cards in the pack, right? Like I don't know how many expeditions you get in a pack or Um, what your chance is. Aside from the box toppers, there was, I think, an average of two or three in a box. Okay. But, like, I think a lot of the other cards didn't have a ton of value. Yeah, I mean, I I bought, like, the Showcase Omnaths were, like, $8 a piece. Yeah, and again, I don't know how much of that is, like, COVID impact. Right, yeah. But I think Yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell. Yeah, but just for me, like, making cards more accessible, Mm -hmm. collector boosters have done that. Oh, yeah. Just because there's so much more. And I have, you know, the full art foil thought seizes from Double Masters. Right. Uh, well, not they weren't collector boosters. They were VIP boosters, but whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, then we have set boosters, which I even forget what these are. So I'm going to assume that they're bad since I can't tell you what the hell they are. Well, they're brand new. Like, the only set that's had them so far is Zendikar Rising. These are the ones that, like, it probably made more sense for you and I if we were going to crack packs because they have more rares. Yeah. Or something. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, you know, I'm not, like, you know, some marketing person, but it just seems like you've taken the core, you know, thing about Mm -hmm. your product, and now there are just so many different variants of it. I'm interested to see where they go with it because there were some strange announcements that came came along with Kaldheim that make me think that they're going to be playing with how the set is to be consumed, if that makes any sense. Because there's a bunch of cards in this set that aren't available in draft packs. Yeah, which they've done. They've done that in, I think they did that in some other sets too, right? Yeah, but typically they don't make them playable. And some of these are like... You know, maybe they're not the most powerful things in the world, but they're certainly not unplayable. I mean, there was that dragon from Theros that uh, when it entered the battlefield, everything you controlled got double strike or when it was attacking. Yeah. That people kicked around. Maybe that's playable. Yeah. Right. I mean, the problem with like current design is when they like shoot to make a card not playable, Mm -hmm. they keep missing. Right. Right. Think about like I don't think Nexus of Fate was supposed to be playable. Right. I'm trying to think of another one that was like I don't know if Golos was supposed to be like the only thing to do in standard for mm-hmm. a month. Yeah. Right. Not that that was you know a promo or exclusive or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, but I, I, know I, th- I think that like I guess Nexus of Fate is the most egregious like promo card, mm-hmm. but like it only takes one miss a year yeah to like sour people on that concept Mm -hmm. where it's like oh i didn't like buy the weird set booster so i don't have access to this card yeah but i guess i i don't know how expensive those cards can get just because like there's only like one playable card yeah like people just crack packs and then like the, pr- the price goes down? I'm not sure. 
I don't know how they're going to be distributed in the set boxes. I don't know if that's like the only way to get them. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I don't know about them. But if they're playing around in this like area, though, um, I believe there was an article. I didn't pull it up to quote or whatever, but I believe there was an article from Wizards that said that some of these cards they specifically put in this like subset or whatever because they didn't want them to affect the limited environment. So now if you're making boosters for constructed with cards for constructed, and then you have this other product that's the same set, but it's cards for limited it with boosters for limited. It's like you almost have two like simultaneous releases. Yeah. You have the constructed packs yeah, and then you have the draft packs, which like, you know, they're they're doing draft pack, mm-hmm. and then the set booster, right. and a set booster is supposed to be geared more towards the constructed player, mm-hmm. at of course a slightly higher price point. Yeah, and like that's kind of my other problem with the set boosters is. I think I'm okay with like the 1.8 rares per booster pack or whatever that we're getting from like the set boosters, as long as the price isn't like 1.8 times, you you know, 1.8 isn't the right number, but I think I'm okay spending like an extra buck for these. Which is what they are? Are they $5? um, I like, there's no MSRP, so I don't know. Um, Fair. I I would feel fine around five dollars. I think most of what what I've seen them is like six dollars, and I think that's too much. In theory, if you're paying two dollars for a rare, like for just an extra rare, Mm -hmm. I mean, the vast majority of rares are forty cents or a dollar, right? Like you're just paying like a premium for no reason. Yeah. Right. Like you don't recoup your money. Yeah. Right. Like on a normal pack, you like lose money, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you just were to open a pack and then immediately sell the contents, you are down. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, opening a five or a six dollar pack, it's just harder for you to recoup your money. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember what my number is where I opened a box of these. And there's, I think there's 30 packs in a box. There's less packs in a set box than there is in a draft box. I think it's 30. Okay. But the price is the same. So they are like a little bit more expensive. And I want to say I ended up with like 41 rares in that box. Okay. So whatever that works out to. Like, I mean, some packs obviously only had one, but there were a couple packs that had like three. Gotcha. So, I don't know. I, like I said, I think I would be a lot more comfortable around like five bucks than six bucks. Yeah. And and that's going to kind of determine whether or not the product is a success or not. And I think that if, like, if that margin's so small where it matters to me, like that dollar for the booster pack, like that's probably too fine a line to be walking. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's going to be really easy to price people out. Yeah. Right. If they're yeah, too I mean, cheap, if you got like one store where you know somebody's trying to get eight dollars a pack for them, like their you know Modern Master or Modern Horizons packs or something, then like nobody's going to buy them and it's going to put a bad taste in their mouth. Yeah. Right. Or you're like the store across town 
mm-hmm. and they're five dollars there. Yeah. Right, and then the store that charged eight dollars is just stuck with them. Right. So, and then they're like, "Oh, these don't sell. I'm not going to get them next year, or mm-hmm. whatever." Yeah. And then the last thing, the last thing, is VIP <laughs> boosters. Yeah. So, what do you think about VIP boosters? These are bad. I think just all around they're bad. Right. There's no reason for them to even exist. Like, I have no problem. With the the concept of this is the collector booster for the more premium product. Right. But they started out around $100 a piece. Yeah. And I think they fell off pretty quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. But they were still like $60, $50? I think they were like $80. I don't know if they ever got down to $50 or $60. So $80. And like, I think that was... Like, I don't know how much people, stores were paying for them. Yeah. But I don't think they were making a ton. But, like, how, like, can you justify an $80, like, booster pack? I have no idea. That, realistically, you're going to lose your money on. Especially initially. most circumstances, yeah. Like, initially, like, you know, I haven't looked at how much the thought seizes are, right? Mm -hmm. But they were, like... 40 or 50 bucks for the foils. The yeah. non-foils were like 20 something or 30. Yep. At the beginning. Cause that was like the, all we had were those. And so stores were cracking them like crazy. Right. Right. Like you can't be like, Hey, here's an $80 pack and you're going to open $40 worth of stuff or less or less. Like it hurts when you open a $4 pack and you mm-hmm. open two dollars worth of stuff, right? But you're losing two dollars. It's not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. I think it really stings when it's like, here's an eighty dollar pack, and, and you open twenty dollars worth of stuff. You open twenty dollars worth of stuff, right? Yeah. I don't know. It'd be like I don't know. You you go spend your sixty dollars on Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, and you get mm-hmm. a third of a game. Right. Which is basically <laughs> what you got. And the internet has been lit on fire. <laughs> right? And these are just that. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to get a third of what you paid for? No. Too bad. Like, it's also really awkward because the whole reason to get these VIP packs was the alternate art borderless cards. Like, there was no reason to buy these other than those. Yeah. And then immediately afterwards was Zendikar they showed us that they can still do like an expedition style card correctly. Yeah. Where there's plenty to go around and they're accessible to everybody. And like, why couldn't they just do that for the borderless alternate art cards? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they bring it up on arena deck list when you don't know the answer, the answer is money. True. And, And I'm sure it was just like, I think this is a product that we can squeeze this much out of. Probably. And on one hand, and they can only do it so many times, right? Well, but I don't what, know. <laughs> what, what, what I mean, the thing that they can only do so many times is float to their retailers that yeah. this should price around $100. Yeah. So we're going to sell it to you for $70, mm-hmm. right? And then you get it and you're expecting a $30 profit. Right. And then they're selling for 80 Right. And you're like, oh, man, before I only needed to sell like half this box to break even. 
Yeah, now I've got to sell most of it. Most of it to break even. Yeah. Ugh, this is rough. Yeah. Right? Like, if I get stuck with these for, you know, for three or four months, that's just money I don't have. Right. Right. So, like, they can only do that so many times. We're mm-hmm. like, wink, wink, there's no MSRP, but we're t- we're selling them to you for this much. Mm-hmm. So you've got to mark them up this much. And then that, yeah. there's not the support for it. Right. Right. But no, I think that like, you know, when there was a cottage industry of what other things can you buy for a VIP booster videos yeah. where that was just like the thing people did. Mm-hmm. It's probably not a good thing for you. Probably not. I guess in the same vein, we talked about this. I saw the video. You read the article because you're a learned man with reading skills, <laughs> literacy, was how do you feel about the fact that we just get like a million different versions of every card now? I think I'm a little bit more okay with it now than I was when it started. If you think back to when Throne came out, I think one of my biggest complaints with Throne and collector's packs and showcase frames and stuff was that I was really disappointed with like approaching the set the same way as far as my purchasing and getting farther away from complete play sets of stuff because I'd open, you know, a regular murderous writer and I'd open a showcase frame murderous writer and I'd get a pack foil murderous writer and I'd get a pre-release promo murder murderous writer and I'd have four of them, but none of them matched. So I couldn't like play competitively with them. Yeah. And like that really bothered me at first. Um, but I think now, oddly enough, I'm a little bit more okay with it because I think I'm buying less sealed product and more singles. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. Like I've, with how the singles market, and again, I don't know how, you know, COVID, COVID has hurt this, oh, yeah. but with the singles market kind of collapsing. Yeah. Right. It doesn't make sense to buy sealed product. Like when I went and bought my, I got my, picked up my two Ikoria boosters. Mm-hmm. You were like, oh, I hope you realize the EV on those boxes is $70 right now. Right. It's like, oh, so I just incinerated like $40 mm-hmm. by just picking up these boxes. Yep. Pretty much. And like, you know, I think that if you look at a lot of sets, like, the EVs are probably not have not been great. Yeah. And again, COVID, but also, you know, collectors boosters mm-hmm. driving down prices. That's a double whammy. So going forward, just buying whatever art you want is fine. Yeah. But like, I don't know. It just seems like, you know, talking about how you like paper coverage. Yeah. Imagine watching an SCG event and basically spending an entire weekend with Cedric and PCLA going, what is that? (laughs) Yeah, that would get old. But I mean, that's what's going to happen though, right? Like, yeah. Like, cause Brushfire Elemental, the two arts are a million miles apart. Well, I guess there's three art. I guess there's not a full art one of those. Yeah. But right. I mean, the two arts are a million miles apart. Mm hmm. Like, you're not going to be able to recognize them. That's true. Right. So, like, the the ability to, you know, look at an old card or look at a card mm-hmm. and just know what it does from the art. Yeah. It's going to be really awkward for, like, 
modern and pioneer too because like only cards from 2019 and 2020 see play in those formats and they're all like they all have alternate arts yeah there's three different versions of like every rare now or almost yeah. every rare and like none of those cards are going anywhere they're not going to rotate and their leaps and bounds more powerful than anything else that's been printed so i mean look at legacy keep... yeah like even legacy it's like like we said before it's like here's some dual lands some fetches and then a bunch of cards from the last two years yep so yeah like i get i'm fine with all the different arts that we have mm-hmm. but at like some point like okay it was like we started with i guess it kind of threw it at us all at once right because with throne they were like here are the storybook frames and oh yeah here are the full art or like expanded art cards borderless yep. cards and collector right. boosters yeah yeah but like the the storybook art for the most part those were like uncommons right well no i mean you had bone crusher Brazen oh, yeah. borrower that's right book okay yeah. love struck beast but i guess it was a small subset it was yeah. this the adventure cards and i guess like zendikar is just the landfall cards got yep. the fancy treatment yep but it is it is odd. Like, Corey was just the mutate cards, I think. Yeah. I was going to say it was very different than like old timey magic, but then I remember there had three different versions of him to rock. So maybe we're getting back to magic as Richard Garfield intended. <laughs> yeah. Like quite literally. It's like, hey, you know what yeah. we need? We need four arts of Basil Thrall, and none of them <laughs> should be related in any way. Right. Cool. Excellent. Yeah. I'm glad so, we're all in the same page here. Yeah, exactly. I need one that looks kind of abstract and cubist, a skinny one, and a fat one. What do they have to do with each other? They have Nothing. the same name. Yep. Cool. So yeah, like I guess this is kind of back to the way magic used to be. I don't know if that yeah. was a I don't think that was a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like I guess everyone has their favorite art of him to Tarak. That's true. It's sadly not the one that comes in foil. <laughs> no one likes that, <laughs> that art. Is, that is true. What's no your likes... favorite Hemsworth art? Uh, I it's are like, you a wolf guy? As I say, wolf or like the circle of people, like yeah. we're looking down on the like the altar. Yeah, like I, the... I'm a fan of the the cloaked guy, the Quentin Hoover art. Okay, I think that one's my favorite. I I think things like Teferi, Master of Time, like pump the oh, brakes yeah. on that. Like yeah, we, we don't need 21 no versions reason, of that card. Yeah, there's no world where that's okay. If if the differences in your art require a GIF yeah. for you for people to see the difference, you didn't do a good enough job making different versions of the card. Correct. So, all right. So I think something that we can 100% get behind is a good thing. Yeah. Mystery boosters. Oh, man, they were so good. I really hope they do these again. They should mystery booster all the time. Yep. Right? It did two things, right? It, like, put a bunch of cards into Commander and Mm -hmm. other formats that needed reprints. Yep. And it was perhaps the best thing that they've made in the last two years. Very close. If not... If not the best, it's very close to, yes. Yeah, it was, I think, the only thing that wasn't, that I don't think anyone had a problem with. 
Yeah. Like, um, I think the hype beforehand, maybe people were like, eh, I don't know. But then, like, after people played it, they were like, oh, this is, this is great. good. Yep. You didn't goof this one up. Yep. Good job. Yeah. So, more mystery boosters, please. I'm going to kind of lump this together with the next one, too. But I would be fine if this was just, like, an evergreen product that was always available and kind of just had, like, rotating content where you never knew exactly what you were going to get in the box. So like every year there is a list of mystery booster contents. Right. Yeah. And then the next year it changes. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't even have to change like the whole contents. You could just like make some substitutions kind of like they do with the list now. Yeah. Like if you have, what was it? 1700 cards. Yeah, uh, yeah, something like that. A if lot. You cha- if you change three hundred of them, mm-hmm. right? That you could just build three hundred. You could just build different archetypes, right? Based on changing those three hundred cards, you change, you know, you know, a fifth of it, mm-hmm. or something, or a sixth, and then that like changes the feel, right? Right. You know, on some level, they wouldn't even really have to tell you. Like people would figure it out. Well, that's kind of what I meant is like you wouldn't have to call it Mystery Boosters 2 or Mystery Boosters 3. You could just keep calling it Mystery Boosters and like not even change the packaging. Because they didn't, did they release a full set list for Mystery Booster? They didn't at first. Um, I think they ended up releasing it, but at first they didn't have a full full set list. I know they didn't at first. Yeah. But like you could just do that and just be like, you know, hey, this is different than last year. Yeah. We're not going to tell you how it's different. Trust us, it's right. not the same stuff. Here but, I mean, I even think it'd be cool to, like, sit down and draft a box and not know, like, what year the box came from. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's is just... Is this, like, a first-run mystery booster box? Is this a third-run mystery booster box? Yeah, no, I think that would be... It'd be interesting. It'd be a good idea. Yeah, and just have it, like, evergreen, always on the shelf. Yeah, just um, like it's a thing. Because I think Mystery Booster did a third thing that we haven't talked about yet, and that is got people that aren't really into Limited to play Limited. Yeah, because I think it was just such an interesting experience. And well, they- it was really interesting. There was a bunch of value in it for people that only cared about that, and it was way more casual. You know what I mean? Like you're not sitting down for your F and M trying to grind out price support. It's just, it's just mystery booster. It's with a set that size, there's not going to be consistency. So like that kind of precludes it being super competitive. Yeah. So I am pro mystery booster. Oh yeah. You are pro mystery booster. Very Where much are we so. at on jumpstart? I think jumpstart could be just like mystery booster. I didn't actually get a chance to play jumpstart because of supply chain issues and you know covid keeping people out of stores blah 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 blah. but i really like the idea of it and i think they could do with jumpstart exactly what we were just talking about with mystery booster where it's kind of an evergreen thing and they just kind of you know fluctuate in and out new decks into like the pool you know what i mean yeah, the only thing that I don't like about Jumpstart is the fact that there are new cards. Yeah. And 
again, supply chain issues, right? Those new cards are super expensive. They have they've come down since like the last wave or two of Jumpstart has come through. Like last I looked, Muxus was like thirty dollars, and we still have like eighty dollar or a hundred dollar Alasaurus Shepherds. Yeah, I think Alasaurus Shepherds are like sixty eight. Okay. Um, but all of the rest of them, I think, are under twenty bucks now. Okay, and maybe maybe it's just it's taking a while to get there. Yeah. But like, if the product's going to be like limited run, and I know there aren't a lot of people like looking at like legacy, right? But like, it just does wonky things to prices. Yeah. And legacy also, like, its implementation on arena wasn't the best. Yeah, it was kind of awkward. Yeah, I don't know how you fix it. I yeah, know we've talked sure. about before, like content creators being like, "I just want to buy a bunch of packs." Yeah. And just let me crack packs so I can get the cards I need. And like you know, with the fact that you have like rare and uncommon and common packs, like you're like, I want to take the elves one and hope I get Alasaur Shepherd. Oh, I didn't. I yeah. didn't need this pack. Right. right. So it just it's just awkward in that regard. Mm-hmm. No, I definitely think there's a better way to do it on Arena, but I think the product is cool in paper form. I think that it kind it more or less does its job where it's, you know, getting more casual players to sit down and play in the store. I th- think it would be cool again to maybe expand the pool of decks like maybe until the, you know, pool of available decks is bigger. It doesn't matter so much that you like take a deck out when you add a new one. But Again, I I don't know that we need anything as pushed as Allosaurus Shepherd and Jumpstart, but it is kind of neat that it's a place for some chase cards too. I think that that's important for like getting more casual players to play like in a store is to give them something for their time. Like if you're, you know, if you're just drafting whatever standard legal set is there, like there's kind of a hard cap on what you're going to open for the most part. And like for a new player, like if you're trying to get into constructed and all you have is, you know, this little bit of draft chaff from this draft that you did, it can be kind of hard to turn one into another. But I think the chance of, you know, somebody, somebody new opening an Allosaurus Shepherd, you know, sitting down playing jumpstart and then, you know, trade it back into the store and building most of a standard deck off of that, I think is awesome. Fair. I also like, with the way cards are designed, like any new places to put cards yeah. just tends to give more chances to break legacy and commander. Yeah. I guess also in the same vein, we, we left a product off. Imagine that okay. commander legends. Okay. Yep. I didn't get to play that at all. I don't know if you, yeah, I haven't. no, I didn't play it at all either. Like conceptually it's neat. Uh, we talked about in the pre-show that hull breacher, was yeah. banned from Vintage Cube due to power level reasons. Yikes. Yeah. Now, it was mainly because of the Supreme draft, which was just super broken. But yeah. when you're putting cards in your sets that are too good for Vintage Cube, you might have a problem. Yeah, That's like where broken cards are played. Yes. It's like, hey, you have Ancestral Recall. Cool. Yeah. Here's Hull Breacher. Can't have that. Get it out. Yeah. That's a problem. Here's Black Lotus. Fine. Hull Breacher, no. They were trying to like come up with a way to get like commander players to draft, I think is what they were trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like 
secretly. Yeah. And, you know, not the year for that, but. Right. And I think they just got to also make a bunch of different commanders. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's been some talk. I think you brought it up at one point that the commander people are like, can you go back to just ignoring us wizards? <laughs> yeah. Because like yeah, I've heard that complaint a couple times. Because like whenever wizards turns their eye to you, right. much like the eye of Soren, nothing good happens. Correct. So like. I think people liked Commander more when it was just like, I'm going to take these cards not designed for this multiplayer format and make them do something. Mm -hmm. And now Wizards is like, you want some cards for your multiplayer format? This card's yeah. going to draw a card every time someone plays a land. Yep. O okay, but I don't think we really needed that. I mean, like there's Commander players that complain about like Commander Precons once a year. Like they, they just want Wizards to be totally hands off of their format. So some of it is just that, but yeah, also like wizards track record when they, you know, hone in and try and design something for a format. Isn't great. Like, yeah, like we got modern horizons. The problem with commander, right? Is the power level on the cards has to be higher right. yeah. to like break in, especially to be like a commander. Yeah. And, you know, as we've talked about before, if you miss with one number. Yeah then the card is the only thing to do. Right. So then it's like, oh, I really liked my old commander, but now I can't ever win. Right. So I have to play this better version of that commander. Yep. And maybe that's fine, but I think a lot of people get uh, married to their deck. Mm-hmm. And they don't want to have to, like, move off, you know, every year when Wizards puts out a new commander product. Yeah. I think uh, I watched a video... Um, I think it was a Pleasant Kenobi video about his Tatiova deck. Yeah. And how, like, it's just an AC deck now because AC is, you want to build the same deck, but it's a slightly better commander. Oh, yeah, the, the pre-con snake guy? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like, th things like that are kind of awkward where you just, like, print a strictly better version of the same card. Yeah, it's one mana more, but like, don't you like you draw? Isn't it you draw a card whenever anyone plays a land or something? Well, it gives you an extra land drop. Oh yeah, yeah. Tatiova doesn't. Yeah, yeah. So like, why are you gonna play Tatiova when you have this? Right. And you know, you had a card like Tatiova, like she was the only one, and now like, this seems like design space they want to move into more. Mm -hmm. So. You know, when are they going to give you like, you know, oh, whenever your opponent plays a land, you draw a card. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I have four opponents. That's great. I guess oh, yeah, I'll so play much better. Same deck, but yeah. Yeah. All right. So now we have some arena-y stuff or an arena-y thing. Yeah, an arena-y thing. So the arena opens. Where are you at on these? I keep meaning to play in one. And then I don't. I'm the same so, way. I can't imagine that that means they're good because if they were good, I'd have done it. Like this seems like the thing that should be right up my alley, but I can't be motivated enough to do it. So it kind of seems like a miss for me. It seems like a miss for me as well. I'm the same way. Like I've not done one. Yeah. And part of the reason is I think that for every person that tweets out or posts on a Facebook group that 
first try, 7-0, made it to day two. There's the, like, person who did, like, 10 tries. Yeah. And, you know, went 6-3 seven times. Right. Well, like, that's, like, the whole social media problem, right? Yeah. Is you, you see the one person that succeeded and you don't see the thousand people that didn't. Yeah. But I think that, like, for me, like I look at that and I'm like, realistically, to day two this event probably is going to take minimum three tries. Uh-huh. Right, minimum. And it's like, do I want to commit the, you know, the time and, like, money investment right. required for me to do this three times? Yeah. Right, and you know, you know, you you, you play goblins, mm-hmm. and you're on the draw three straight games, and you're playing best of one. Yep, and you're like, you're well, on. I incinerated that. What is it? Fifteen, twenty dollars? I thought it was twenty or twenty-five, but yeah, yeah, whatever. Tw- twenty, fifteen to twenty-five, somewhere in that general ballpark. Yeah. Well, that went away. Yep, I guess we're gonna do it again, and mm-hmm. so yeah, like. You know, from a wizard's point of view, like I'm sure it's a wonderful way to separate people from their money. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. I think that's all it's good for, though. Yeah, because I mean, like you get used to playing in events or whatever in arena or playing games where you just like hit enter. Right. Right. And you like you've kind of divorced it from like actual dollars. Yeah. And so like you go six three and you're like, oh, I'll get it next time. And you just like kind of hit the thing. Right. And yeah, so like I'm fine with tournaments on arena. I would much rather like I've not done one of the like Star City events or like Channel Fireball events Mm -hmm. because while they use arena, like there's an outside like reporting system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I feel like Watsy could make a reasonable amount of money if they just put their like tournament software or a tournament mm-hmm. thing in their client and like yeah. partnered with CFB mm-hmm. and said, Hey, CFB is handling all the prize support and stuff for this, but you enter and it's a 15 round Swiss pairing, just like a GP. Yeah. There's real money behind it. We take a cut because they're using Arena, but we don't have to do anything. Right. Awesome. Right? Like, I would like to see that integrated. Mm-hmm. And, like, Arena Opens are the closest thing we have to an integrated tournament. But mm-hmm. the just, like, rebuying thing, you know, is predatory. But, like, hopefully people are adults and know what they're doing. But yeah. it's just, like, they're also not, like, great traditional, like, ways to play Magic. No, they're not. Right, I like, think like one of my biggest problems with them is that I don't know how to say this without sounding like a terrible person. Like I want something for my money. Like if I go if I have twenty five dollars to go spend in an event that I'm gonna play on a weekend, like I want something for that money. Even if all I got for that money is a day at a different game store with my friends. Yeah, you or want a, you want an a story about a bad tournament or 
a good beer after the tournament's over. You know what I mean? I want something out of that. Even if it, I, even if I have to spend more money on top to get something, I want something for it. And if I'm playing in one of these arena opens and, you know, I go two and three and get absolutely nowhere, I've gotten absolutely nothing for that money. I got no story to tell. I got no good beer when I'm done. I didn't get to see my friends. I didn't get any promos. It's the thing where, you know, you've heard people say, like, you should buy experiences, not things. Yeah. Right? And you want the experience of going to an event. Mm-hmm. And, 100%. Right? A, a bad beat story on Arena is not as compelling of an experience as a bad beat story from an event. Right. Like, where you actually went somewhere. Yep. Right. So you're just like not getting the experience. Like you can, I have played arena, not in the arena open during the arena opens. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why would I pay $25 to do the thing I'm doing right now? Yeah. For free. For free. With like more than likely the same outcome. Oh yeah. Which is not going to make money. Right. So yeah, it doesn't make any sense. There's no blooming onion when you're done. Nothing. Yeah. I mean, you can time it up. You have like uh, Grubhub bring it, but then it's cold. <laughs> uh, it's not as good. For the people that really, really, really want to play competitive magic, I think for like yeah. the the moto grinder mm-hmm. that has like transitioned to arena. Right. Right. That's who I really think these tournaments are for. Probably. And then they're also to separate uh, people from their money. Right, so it's the poker so, adage. If you look around the table and you don't see the sucker, you're the sucker. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of people that end up being suckers in these arena events. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, even if you get your like seven wins in best of one, you don't break even till you get your eighth win on day two. Yeah, so you hit your your first win on day two is where your break even point. Yeah, and that's a that's a whole nother whole nother problem. Yeah, so. Yeah. All in all, I think having tournaments in the software is good, but mm-hmm. I think these particular tournaments are bad. Yep. I agree. Right. I would Not much fair. rather have like a Swiss pairing tournament where yeah, at least something where you could see like results in client. Yeah, where you kind of know have some idea you know where you stand. Like Yeah. You know, single, you know, like $25 and then you were guaranteed eight rounds. Yeah. Right. Like, let me, let me be the person that's two and four that's playing against the other two and four person in the, the, the Carowinds bracket. Well, I guess Carowinds bracket is, <laughs> is, is technically the, the two, two bracket when you get your third loss and it's like, Oh, I mean, they're going to win or go to Carowinds. Yeah. Uh, right. Like you don't have that. It's just like, oh, I guess I just lost. Yeah. And like, you don't know who I'm you're like, fighting against. another cup of coffee p- bracket. Yeah. Like, it's, you don't, like, it's not like, hey, I'm not having a good day. I'm playing against someone else who's playing poorly today. Yeah. Or something like, I have a chance. Like, you kind of settle out. Nope. It's just like, it's just, it just feels weird. Empty. Yeah. yeah so. I think that's the problem. It feels empty. 
So the the next two, wait, I mean, we maybe lump these together. It's kind of no in-store play and no premier events. I kind of, it's like no in-person play. Yeah, I mean, they're not necessarily the same thing, but they kind of go together. So, I mean, we yeah. can talk about them together. So, I don't know if there are any pros to no in-person <laughs> play. Like, I, I really don't think there are, but I had to try and think of something. I spent less money on standard cards. Like that. Um, yeah. Like, on cards that we played in standard decks. Like, I spent right. too much money on cards that will be played in modern and legacy decks from Hopefully standard legacy sets. Hopefully, in the future. But, yeah. like, just in terms of, like, keeping up with standard, low. Yeah. Uh, low cost there. So, that that is, that is our pro. Yeah. And I think the biggest con for both of these is I think a lot of people lost connection with the game. Or the connection changed. And this was like a whole nother thing that I wanted to talk about is like the odd timing of all of this. Not that I think there's some grand uh, conspiracy that Wizards created COVID or whatever, but it's really weird that this happened this year, like the year of Commander, the year of Casual, the year of Arena, and... I wonder how many people are kind of in that mindset now where, you know, if we have another GP or when FNMs, you know, open back up, how many people are just like not into that part of the game anymore where they're either playing commander with their friends instead of competitive magic, or they're playing on arena instead of in paper and don't have to leave the house or like, how long is it going to take to, you know, get those people back out if they ever come back out. Yeah. You have separated magic from paper. Yeah. Like you've separated magic from the physical game Mm -hmm. by necessity, but are you going to be able to bring it back together? Yeah. And I mean, well, like this year being what it was, I think was already straining that. And then with COVID on top of that, like I think the divide might, might be too great now. Yeah. I mean, as much as, like, I think there is has been a major push towards casual. Mm-hmm. And I, we've mentioned it before. Yeah, like, I have a, a YouTube, you know, subscription to Channel Fireball. And mm-hmm. now all their videos come with a bar at the bottom. Yeah. It says competitive or casual. Yeah. Right? And that is a... Or, or budget or something, right? That is a very different world of what we were in before. Like magic right. content was magic content. Like right. creators differentiated themselves, mm-hmm. but like it wasn't just like a label on their their video. And now yeah. it is, right? Now I think there's much like, hey, casual person, you're not gonna like like this Andrea Mangucci video, right? About like the ins and outs of some legacy deck, mm-hmm. right? Watch this other thing instead. This content, yeah. this way of playing the game is not for you. Yeah. Right. We never used to say that before. Right. Right. It was like, watch this legacy video and maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll like it. Right. Right. I was like, no, no, no. Here's Instead a disclaimer. Of warning people beforehand. Yeah, here's a disclaimer. No, no, this isn't for you. Right. Yeah. I think that while we look at this year as the more like casual year, like year of arena, yeah. I think that if you look at the products that they were planning to bring out, mm-hmm. I definitely don't think they were planning on it being like 
an arena year, right? Think about like mystery booster, get eight people around a table and draft it. Uh, Jumpstart, get yeah. two people together and play these decks. Yeah, Commander, Commander Legends, Legends. Get a bunch of people draft, draft, right? So yeah. like, they definitely had an idea that they wanted people playing together. Yeah, I think though that when they like transitioned to arena for mm-hmm. the more competitive stuff, right? I think the perception became, oh, this was just like the year of arena because it had to be. Yeah. I mean, long term, right? If Watsi can get, uh, again, I'll say a sucker like me to uh, have both a paper and a digital collection, <laughs> like that yeah. is a win for them, right? They've got a little bit of extra money out of me than they would have otherwise. Yep. So I think that I don't think they want paper to go away, but it just feels right. It feels like paper went away and it did. And it's like, is it going to come back? Was it Patrick Sullivan a while back uh, when magic would say like, Oh, we don't compete with fill in the blank game Mm -hmm. was like, no, you compete with everything because you're just competing with people's free time. Yeah. You compete with movies. You compete with going out to dinner. You compete with everything. Yeah. And you know, we had talked about, I think, before, either together or, you know, on the show, that mm-hmm. when Standard gets bad, right, mm-hmm. and people start stop going to F&M, right, and they go to a movie or they do yeah. something else, right, it's hard to get them to go back to F&M because oh, they've yeah. settled into a new routine. Yep. And it might just be, like, now people, instead of like going to FNM, have settled into a routine of, oh, I play the the FNM at home event, yeah, on Arena, or I just play Arena on Friday nights, mm-hmm. or, oh, like me, I I didn't play video games for years. I've played so many video games this year. <laughs> like yeah. I'm working on like my to completion. Beat, to completion, like I've beat like four or five games, and that hasn't happened in like forever. Yeah. And so that's going to be something that's going to be hard for me to like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. step away from Yeah. where maybe I will, but you know, maybe three or four people at your local game store don't. Right. And I go, what happened to Tim? Oh, uh, Tim got a PlayStation five <laughs> and everyone goes lucky Tim. And then it's like, Oh yeah, we're never going to see Tim again. I'll go. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right. Just where, gone. Yeah. Where Tim's PlayStation five money might've been, you know, four boxes of the new set. Mm hmm. But no, he got a PlayStation 5 instead. Now we've lost him. Because it was easier to find the Magic product this year. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or at least it was more usable. Yeah. So Well, and like that was kind of my point behind like the other half of this. Like we've been talking about the arena half, but that was my kind of point behind like the commander half of this too is it seems like this I mean this was billed as the year year of commander. But it seems like commander has kind of weathered the storm. A little bit better than other forms of magic have like there's software out there to run paper commander games over the internet using your webcam yeah and like people aren't doing that for modern or pioneer i think that it's kind of like commander being a more social thing Mm -hmm. i think the reason that commander has maybe survived better is you're hanging out with your friends yeah and you happen to be playing a game of commander right it's a 
more of an activity than a game. Yeah, as opposed to I'm going to set up a webcam so I can grind out like pioneer games to learn a matchup. Right. Right. Like that's something that's like that people aren't going to do. But if you're yeah. like, oh, man, I want to hang out with my three friends and I can't. Yeah. Or the only way we always used to play commander. So we'll figure out a way to play commander. And so we can hang out. Yeah. Right. I mean, think about like, what is it? The commander fest that like channel fireball have been running that they've been like mm-hmm. streaming people mm-hmm. with their like janky, like I duct taped a webcam to a straw <laughs> and that's my setup. And they've yeah. been streaming those people right. playing paper commander doing commentary yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Like there's, I mean, been... a lot of the content creators have been posting like that kind of stuff on YouTube too, where you never yeah. used to see it. There aren't legacy tournaments where people are like doing their webcam. Right. And doing this kind of stuff. It's like, all oh, those go on magic online. Yeah. I mean, we also saw, I forget what article it was like a blogatog thing mm-hmm. where like Morrow kind of like said the quiet part out loud where he was like, basically didn't say commander is the format that like is most important yeah but the 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 subtext of the sentence was it's hard to design it was like oh i know what it was he was talking about how like people someone was like why can't we have effects like mana tithe and white more often like you know if it's just something that shows up once every couple years right then that's gonna be something that white does but doesn't have to do all the time yeah and Mara was like, well, since the main format of Magic now pulls cards from all across Magic's history, if we do yeah. stuff like that, it's not like White just does it sometimes, it does it all the time. Right. And everyone was like, oh. Oh, see, he's he's saying that Commander is like the main Magic format. Yeah. And like, I don't think that would have been something that was said like two years ago. Yeah, I- well, I mean, like I just said, this year was supposed to be billed as the year of Commander, so. Yeah, where they were trying to, like, you know, shine yeah. a brighter spotlight on it. Right. It's, like, it seems hard to build Commander out when you have the, like, problem of, like, what kind of deck are you playing on a scale of 1 to 10? And you're like, I'm playing a 6. And then you're, like, you know, three turns in and someone's like, that's not a 6, that's an 8. Yeah. And there's like hurt feelings. Yeah. It, it is kind of awkward. And from personal experience, like how much fun I have in a game of Commander definitely depends on who I'm playing with. And part of it probably is the power level. Like, you know, I've got all these cards for Legacy that I spent, you know, a whole bunch of money on. I'll be damned if I'm not going to put them in my Commander deck. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I sit down next to somebody else and. Like, I get nasty looks for playing a Mox Diamond or Dual Lands or whatever. Oh, yeah. Like, like if I was playing Commander... Play these cards because I own them. You know what I mean? Yeah, if I was playing Commander, you better damn well believe it's going to be, like, Turn 1, Ancient Tomb, Soul Ring, yeah. uh, Grim Monolith, <laughs> something else. Like, well, not just going to be, like, uh, uh, Bloodfell Caves Go. Like, no. Right. right. Yeah. So, and then... It just seems hard, right? Because it's it's not something where, like, when you play competitive magic, you understand that everyone's trying to win. Right. Every deck you run into is going to be optimized. Yeah. And if your deck's not, like, you know that going in, and you're like, okay, well, this is the thing that happens. But in Commander, there's that that range of, like, I want to have fun to, like, I want to win. 
Right. And if you put the I want to have fun person with the I want to win person, neither person enjoys it. Right. Right. Because the win, the person who wins the game, right, is kind of yep. like, well, that wasn't, you know, great because their deck wasn't there very was no good. Challenge. Yeah. And the person who lost is like, this is awful. Yeah. I didn't get to do my thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. Even it's... if your thing was play ladies looking left. Yes. I didn't get to play any ladies. I just oh. died. I know we've talked a bunch about like, um, or we've mentioned it on the show at least about how, you know, when, when you're looking to practice a matchup or build a sideboard or sideboard guide or, you know, come up with a plan or whatever, you're looking for like those small percentages. Like you're looking to pick up, you know, a 10th of a percentage point in four different places throughout like your sideboard strategy. Whereas in commander, you're never looking for a tenth of a point in a matchup. You're just hoping that you're sitting down with a play group that, you know, was within five or ten points of you. Yeah. Which I think is that's kind of a hard thing to get past too. Yeah. And it also, like, you know, if you're in a situation where you want to play, you know, your dual lands and the cards that like you have, mm-hmm. right? Then it like becomes less fun for you when you're like, okay, I can't play these cards. I yeah. play these cards that make someone else upset. Right. So I don't know how magic like I don't think that's a Watsy issue. Like that's a yeah. commander community like thing. Mm-hmm. But like commander's also weird, like Wizards doesn't control commander. Right. It's like this format that they like print that they're like purposely printing cards for. <laughs> but has no they have no control over. Yeah, very like when, strange. Yeah, when Lutri was printed, they had to go to the Commander Council and go like, <laughs> oh, Grand Wizards of Commander, you should probably ban this, right? And they were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we should. Yeah. Why Why are you printing this? Because. Command- because we want to. <laughs> companions are fun. It will make for an interesting limited environment. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Sure. So, no pros. To not playing in paper. Yeah, Tons I don't of think cons. So. Tons of cons. All right. What do we see happening next year? Or what do we want to see happen? Well, I guess we can go both ways, right? Yeah. I think they're going to ramp up secret layers. I don't know how they can do more when they averaged one every, like more than one every two weeks. But yep. I guess there could be one every week. There, There's more weeks than they came out with secret layers. Yeah. Like I said, for the most part, I'm fine with secret layers. I like that they're all kind of different. Like, I could do without some of the more tame ones. I'd kind of like them to push the envelope a little bit more as far as like the art styles and stuff go because there's that's what they're supposed to be. They're supposed to be special. And I think, like, if they're not polarizing, they're probably not special enough. So I think if we get more of them, the chances of there being some really good ones are are out there so and i don't really think there's a downside other than you know taking money away from that you would be spending at your lgs that's obviously a downside but other than that like as far as gameplay goes i don't like there's no downside really so unless unless they do more exclusive cards i think then you start to have downside like the walking dead ones you mean if in february it's like you know star wars and 
it's four legendary creatures that you can only get in that. I'm buying all of them. <laughs> Fair. But it's four legendary creatures you can only get in there. And they're the four best commanders for their archetype, let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, now you've got to have them or you can't play that deck. Well, I mean, they're Star Wars. I got to have them anyway. I understand. I understand. <laughs> but, but my point being, right, if they, if yeah. they do that all the time, yeah. I think that would wear thin. Probably. So another thing we see, I guess, not happening is yeah. probably no Magic Fest. Yeah, I don't see how there's any timeline at this point that gets us back into convention centers in 2021. I think that like maybe late summer, early fall for North America, Wizards is like, yo, you guys can start doing sanctioned in-play event, in-store events. In-store events. In-store. So like maybe the fall set, maybe they're Mm -hmm. like, hey, you guys can do your Mm pre-releases. Like that might be either the summer set or the fall set would be the earliest it would happen. Yeah. And I'm guessing like a arena or I don't mean magic arena, but like convention center size events take time to plan. Yeah. So I I don't see us getting into convention centers for at least this year. Yeah. I I don't either. And you have here, like, will they ever come back? And like, that's a whole nother question. Isn't it? Like we said before, or I've said before, like they kept running these. I know that the people that were running them weren't mm-hmm. making a ton of money. Right. But I think they were making money. Well, like, they had to be making some money, otherwise they wouldn't have been doing them. Fair. Right. But CFB was like tweaking the formula pretty yeah. frequently mm-hmm. in their last like in the last like six months of twenty nineteen. Yeah. Right. But I'm assuming people are making money. And even if, like, CFB wasn't making money, Wizards was, and it would just be Wizards finding another partner yeah. or doing it themselves, but they were making money. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine that they wouldn't bring them back, but well, it might not be worth it if you are raking in all this money on Arena. Yeah, so there's there's a couple different ways to break that down. The first is it, investment of resources or, like, return on investment. So if you're if you've got a hundred thousand dollars to invest into something magic related in your Wizards of the Coast, and you need to share, show your stockholders, you know, I had this hundred thousand dollars and I turned it into two hundred thousand dollars. How many Magic Fests do you have to run to turn that hundred thousand dollars into two hundred thousand dollars? Versus how many arena opens or um, alternate arts do you have to sell on arena to do the same thing with like way less investment yeah like you know i was just thinking think about like the what was the prize money for like winning a gp now was it ten thousand um or that's what it was something like that right yeah something like that that's five people making it to day two mm-hmm and then going 6-0 or 6-1 or something on day two of yeah, yep. your arena open. Right. Right. Like you just paid for like way more people and yeah. you know, you're giving out 2000 and a thousand and then mm-hmm. nothing. 
Right. And nothing that cost you anything, at least. Yeah, nothing that cost you anything. Right. And most of your like you take real money in and you give yeah. play money out. Yeah. So like it's just all gravy. Yeah. So So like that's part of it. And then the second part I think is what I was kind of alluding to when we were talking about like the way everything fell this year. And that's that like how many people are going to show up for one of these. Yeah. I think the first, if you've got all of these people that, you know, you've pushed to arena and you've got them in that play pattern or you've pushed to commander and that's how they play magic. Now, like how many people are you going to get to show up for a pioneer grand prix? I mean, I think that in the last, again, six months, when they made the transition from Grand Prix to Magic Fest, yeah, right, it was more that, hey, there's this magic-related thing going on, and randomly, there's a bunch of people playing in the main event. Mm -hmm. But there are way more people doing side events yeah and stuff like that so like i think the focus was leaving the main event yeah now granted the last six months of standard were pretty bad oh yeah complete dumpster fire right i mean our the last gp we played it was oko and it was like 450 people or something yeah like i didn't make day two and i almost cashed right like i was like 130th um, and cash was like 110 or something. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was barely a, uh, so like they weren't that big going in. I think that what yeah. would happen is I think the first couple that you had would be huge. Yeah. Just the people wanting to get out of their house. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's like, is it a good enough experience to make them want to leave their house again? Right. Or are they like, oh yeah, this is why I did this. Yeah. Right. But I don't know how many new people you would get. Right. If you've only interacted with magic through arena or you mm-hmm. played a little bit of the store and then you like were arena for 18 months, like you're not yeah. going to have that. Like, Oh man, I want to go hang out with my friends. Yeah. You're like, you know, who I haven't seen in a long time. Cameron, we should make Cameron go play <laughs> infect somewhere. Let's go. Yeah. Right. And so like you, you might not have that. So you have on here, like what, what happens to magic if we're not doing these big events anymore? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does it become like Hearthstone, but with better rules? <laughs> it's just Hearthstone with better rules. I mean, yeah, I, I really don't know. I don't think arena play is good enough to sustain all of magic on its own. And I don't think competitive play has the same punch that it does on arena that it did in paper. So I think that in order for competitive magic to like survive, they either have to completely change the way it's handled on arena or like not use arena. Well, I don't think they're going to not use arena. I think there has to be a way that it integrates better. Yeah. Right. Like, we are like, you know, we talked about it as Snow Globe OP. Yeah. Right. And they were shaking the Snow Globe 
and it didn't make any sense. Then then COVID happened, and they had to reshake the mm-hmm. snow globe like three times. Yeah. Right. Right. There's not that coherent thing where it's like, you know, playing in paper earns you points, and playing on arena earns you points. Yeah. And blah 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 blah. Right. Like you know, they could easily. I guess we don't have, you know, you have the same login for this mythical like magic companion app mm-hmm. as you do for your arena account. Right. Right. That could all be tied together and like, Oh, yeah. you get like 10 points towards a thing. Mm-hmm. If you make mythic and right. you get 50 points, if you win a GP yeah, and you get 50 points, if you win, an, if you go do this well in an arena open or something, but like if they tied it all together and like made mm-hmm. it feel like it made sense, well, it, like it's not even like the splitting of paper and arena. I think it's like the whole competitive program on arena is not great. Yeah. There's there's no clear defining path to tell you how to get from one stage to the next. There's no readily accessible standings. There's nothing in client that tells you who's doing good and who's not, who you're supposed to be watching, who, you know, what matchups are coming up. There's, there's nothing in the client that has anything to do with competitive play. Yeah. Like the, the magic.gg site, I don't know how yeah. other esports sites are arranged, but it's kind of God awful. Yeah. Like, well, I was... like, shouldn't it be in the client though? So they have the client, and if there's an event going on, right, if there's, you know, whatever, if there's the Zendikar Championship or whatever, right, and I log on to Arena in the Zendikar, and there's a banner that comes up that's like, Zendikar Championship's happening right now. Yeah. It shouldn't take me to their, like, trash, like, magic.gg site where then I have to, like, try to dig around and, like, find information. It should just take me to Twitch. Yeah. So I can, like have Twitch open on one screen and be playing mm-hmm. arena on the other. Yeah. Right. But you're right. Like there should be like a leaderboard where mm-hmm. you can see the top 200 people in constructed in limited yeah. on arena. And it should like, you know, I don't know how hard, maybe real time updating isn't realistic, but like once an hour, once every five hours or something like, Here's what it looks like now. Right. Right. And like, maybe that would drive people to be like, oh man, like I can get on here. I need to play more. Right. As opposed to now where it's like, are you following the right people on Twitter for the, for you to see the picture of them hitting mythic (laughs) that aren't like wizards of the coast employees. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, I'm 50th in mythic. Here's my screenshot. Yeah. It's like cool. It'd be nice if I could like go to a you know, go to a uh, a leaderboard in app. Yeah. And see that. Or, or here's um, like Ball Lightning PhD who has like real-time ranking PL you can't get on Wizards own website. Yeah, because like that would require planning and like right. an intern. You know, again, like they've got this rank of 200 people, right? The people that like stream, like you should be able to like put in like, hey, I'm a streamer and, you know, I I know their content creator program is garbage, right? But, right, like Numatsum Nummy is streaming. He's in the MPL. 
mm-hmm. or not in MVP, he's in rivals, right? Yeah. Right. If he's top 50 in limited, mm-hmm. right, I should be able to go see his limited ranking and be able to see if he's streaming right now and click on it and go to his, yeah. go to his stream. Be like, yep. oh my gosh, right? Like maybe that only works for the MPL people and sure. rivals people, but like get me from like, you know, client to more magic. Yeah. Right. Let me see that aspirational thing. And also, like you said, like, you know, I have no idea the the way that I get from my couch to my couch playing in a more high stakes tournament <laughs> is I kind of I play these arena opens. Yeah. And it's, you know, it can be a hundred dollars burnt on a Saturday to get nothing. Mm-hmm. And I know for people that like magic is this like huge part of their life. Like, you know, remember when we had a GP every weekend and people would go to every GP. I do. Do you remember when you had to choose between what coverage to watch? Oh yes. Whether but, you were going to watch star city coverage or grand prix coverage. Yeah. Usually star city coverage. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, usually. Marshall. Um, but right. Like it's, the $25 model is way cheaper, but for the people yeah. that are like, you know, the casual tryhard, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't want to, you know, again, like I, said, I don't want to burn a hundred dollars and not get anything for it. Right. Right. I at least want a good story to tell. Yeah. And to beer when I'm done. Yeah. So like, I hope that they do a better job of kind of connecting everything together. If they don't want to give back the pro levels, mm-hmm. right? Like, let let us earn some sort of points or like something. have something to work towards yeah. right so you can be like oh the top 50 point winner earners in the world are mpl and rivals yeah okay cool i can work towards that right as opposed to now where it's like meh so again like i don't foresee me ever being in MPL arrivals, but no, definitely not. But like having that like thing where you can say like, Oh, like I used to get a kick out of being like, Hey, in 2017, I was the first ranked magic player in the state of South Carolina. Right. I, you know, 2019 or something. I think I was like seventh or something. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that was cool to be able to say. They blew up that system. Yeah, no, no, no more. It doesn't exist anymore. Right. But getting back to something where people can like, you know, be like, oh, I play, I got my four wins and I got three points towards, you something. know, yeah, my, my ranking or whatever. Yeah. Cause like the ladder just doesn't do it for me. No, I'm the more I play the ladder, the more I don't like the game. Yeah. <laughs> The ladder just kind of feels like a, it's like feels artificial, and it just feels like a question of it. I've said it before, like if you can maintain a fifty-five percent win rate, yeah, you just have to brute force it, right? And then you get to mythic, and apparently there's a lot of people that like grind to mythic and then just play whatever once they get there, yeah. And I'm just like, why would you do that? Like, there's no real value in saying that you're like mythic. Right. I think there used to be, or at least it felt like there was. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of like... Some street cred? Yeah, now it's just kind of like, eh, 
you just played a whole lot, right? Like, I think so, so many games. (laughs) So much magic. So much magic. Winning 53% of my games. I will get there eventually. Yeah. Something I would like to see is like a return to like reasonable creatures. Yeah. Just reasonable magic cards. Like back in time to like 2017 magic? Yeah, 2017, cons block. I don't know, just like the walls of text that are just like value or just these unstoppable snowballs. I would like games to feel like they had decisions. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like because we've made all these snowballs. Yeah. Then that's how you get cards like Embercleave and Questing Beast. Mm -hmm. Is that, oh, if this game goes to turn six the aggressive deck gets buried and can never ever 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 win right so we have to give the aggressive decks the tools to win games on turn four or turn five mm-hmm. and that gives you Embercleave. that gives you questing beast mm-hmm. right so like for every uro and elder gargaroth right or oko or whatever mid-range thing right. right you have to give them like an opposite thing so like you get this situation where like we either have these games that turn into these long, long, long slogs. And it's like, who kind of got their snowball rolling first? Mm-hmm. And then you're just always behind. You're always running from the snowball. You mm-hmm. never have a chance to, like, assert your own game plan. Yep. Because you're just like, oh, man, I'm getting buried. Or you're like, oh, hey, I'm having a good, oh, it took 15, I'm dead. No. And there's, like, no middle ground. Yeah, there's there's no like mid range anymore. Yeah, like everything's over the top or super low. Yeah, and just getting to like you know, if Uro only had the attack trigger, still a great. And it didn't have ball. the ETB. It didn't have the ETB. Just had the yeah. attack trigger. Yep. Card's still really good. Yeah. But, you know, maybe you stand a chance. Maybe you don't get totally buried. I mean, vice versa. You could also have just the ETB and not the attack yeah. trigger. Yeah, like, or, you know, if Oko's turn a thing into an elk was a minus. Yeah. As a, as opposed to a plus. Yep. Or, I don't know, if Questing Beast didn't have its weird evasion to go with or Death Touch. Or preventing combat damage. Yeah, not, yeah. Or non-combat damage or whatever. Yeah. Like damage can't be prevented or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like like that was in response to, oh man, this turbo fog deck is awful. Yeah. Let's make a card in the colors of the turbo fog deck. <laughs> to stop the turbo fog deck. After the turbo fog deck rotates. Yeah. Awesome. Way to go, R and D. Right. But just just getting us back to a point like even adventures are kind of egregious. Yeah. Like getting us back to a point where not every card is a two for one. And don't get me started on companions. Yeah. Yeah, but I, you know, I think that someone brought up that, like, you know, Magic used to be, like, a resource, like, management game. Mm-hmm. And it's turned into, like, a resource source deployment game. Right. Where you always have resources now yeah. is how do you best deploy them. Yep. Right? I mean, there are some decks that, like, play resource denial, like the Rakdos Arcanist deck. Mm-hmm. Right, where they're like, 
Thoughtseize and then like Dreadhorde Arcanist and Thoughtseize you again and like kill a thing. Right? Yeah. But then you draw like your Escape from the Wilds and you're like cool. Haha, I'm back in it. Yeah, cool. <laughs> like I just drew five that you yeah. can't interact with. Awesome. Yeah. Good talk. Bye bye. Right? Just, you know, like those kind of or like you're the Rakdos Arcanist deck and your opponent's blue green and you're like, oh, I can't deny them resources ever. Right. I guess or I if have you to do, hope. it doesn't matter. Yeah, I guess I have to hope to kill them. Yeah. Oh, okay. They Uroed into Uro. I guess I didn't kill them. No, young Pyromancer can't make enough elementals. <laughs> I can't ever. I can't make six elementals. Right. Uh, yeah, but just getting back to like where like games have give and take back and forth, because mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that I miss most about Magic is like being behind but not out of it. Mm-hmm. And, like, trying to figure out a way to, like, claw your way back. Well, I mean, that kind of goes along with my my whole thing about, like, spending money for an arena open. Is, like, when you're behind and you claw your way back, that makes for a great story. Yeah. And, like, I've said for a long time, magic is about the story. and Not necessarily, like, the lore behind the cards or what the characters are doing. But, like, every game you play is a story. Yeah. And those stories are important. Even even if the story of how you won with Uro is really good, like it took so long and it's so repetitive that nobody cares. Yeah, like they've all seen that. But yeah. like now it feels like you get behind and you just stay behind. Yeah. Or you get ahead and you stay ahead. Yeah. There's not the like oh like using Siege Siege Rhino is the archetypal this is a good creature to be the best creature in the format. Right, mm-hmm. like okay, at Lightning Helix, you you lost three, they gained three, but you had a removal spell, mm-hmm. and then they were top decking, right, and then you were able to top deck a little bit better than them. Mm-hmm. When the best creature in your format slash possibly game four for ones you automatically, <laughs> yeah, right, like okay, you had the removal spell for the Uro, yeah but they played it again in two turns or they yeah. had three cards left in their hand because it drew them so many cards. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you don't win that game. Right. Right. So like, you know, or like when the best creature in the format was hydrate crisis, mm-hmm. right. And it resolved and drew them four cards. Yeah. You're like, Oh, it, it didn't matter that you had the fatal push for it. Yeah. You just, you still just died to the other four cards. It didn't matter what they were. Yeah. You're like, oh, my last card was Fatal Push. Their last card was four more cards. Yeah. Hmm. So like, just getting back to those kind of games where, like, you know, you can be at six and draw the removal spell and then claw your way back, right? Yeah. As opposed to, like we said before, like, you're either dead on turn four because, like, your Pioneer opponent went, like, Pelt Collector into... Uh, Burning Tree Emissary, Zertog Goblin with Riot, put a counter on it, attack you for three, and then, you know, Ember Cleave you. And you're just like, oh, that was a game of magic. <laughs> or, yeah. right? You shuffled like, at least. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, I played like a temple and then, like, I don't know, a Maze My Tome. And like, oh, I'm dead. I just took 12. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Like that was a dumb thing to do. Right. Mm-hmm. 
or, you know, like, oh, man, I'm just getting run over by this big snowball, right? To have those games where, like, you're like, oh, I'm making some little decisions that end up mattering. Right. And, like, that, that's what made the game great. And I think that has, like, been lost. Like, that's why I was, like, playing, you know, Blue Black Rogues in Historic for a while. Mm-hmm. The deck wasn't great, but it was like, oh, I'm, like, I'm trying to get these small edges yeah, and make decisions that matter. And there were times where like, it, it didn't matter, which well, I mean, that, that's kind of like you were ripping on me during the pre-show about like Jund not being playable. Right. Yes. And that's pretty much the whole reason why I enjoy that archetype is because every single one of your little tiny decisions adds up to matter. Like yeah. what land you get on your first turn, like what you go fetch for matters on turn seven and can cost you the game. And all of those little tiny decisions adding up is like why I enjoy playing the deck. And you're right. You know, when somebody casts an Uro and they've, you know, your first turn thought sees and your second turn removal spell and your third turn Lily are all undone by an Uro. Like that's not, that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, or like, you know, they play an Omnath and you're like, oh. Yeah. They let Omnath fetch land, gained four, drew a card, gained four life, got all their mana back, and then played yeah. something else. And it's like, I can't ever keep up. Yeah, so, nothing I do is going to compete with that. So, yeah. so I guess I want, I want decisions in Magic to matter. Mm-hmm. Make right. decisions matter again. Make decisions matter again. That's right. Yeah. You know, so we'll we'll see if that happens. So we'll see. So, with our hopes and dreams of decisions mattering again, (laughs) I think maybe one day, maybe one day, I think we have a show. I think we have a show. So, if you'd like to tweet us what you want to see happen in 2021, or like what you really enjoyed from 2020, you can get us at Casual Tripod on Twitter. You can also hit us up on Facebook, Casual Tryhard MTG. Let us know what you enjoyed from this year, what you're looking forward to for next year. We should have some previews starting. Oh, I guess we got one more episode before previews start, right? Yeah, before official stuff. Well, I guess we have some stuff. Yeah. So if there's anything you guys want to hear about next week before we get like official, official previews, you can hit us up also. Drop us an email, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Like I mentioned at the top of the show, Don't forget to use our TCG Player affiliate link if you're looking to pick up any singles with your Christmas money, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Every purchase you make after following that link will help support the show. If you want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Uh, We've got some great patrons that, again, help keep the show rolling and help keep us, you know, making this for you guys. Don't forget about our Discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on Twitter. There's a link on Facebook. That's another great place for you guys to hop in and let us know what you want to hear about, what you liked about this year, what you didn't like about this year, what you're hopeful hopeful for for next year. Uh, we got anything else? I don't think so. I don't so think that, so either. We will catch you on the internet. We'll catch you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs>